Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. I don't know if you realize how incredible you actually are. Have you ever thought about how incredible a human being is? You know, they say we come from the animals, but I really don't think so. Because when you think about a human being, human beings are incredible. Think of someone like a poet who can take an empty sheet of cheap paper, even an exercise book, and write a poem on it, and then that poem could later be auctioned for 50,000 rand. What's the, an animal, a dog can't do that. Cat can't do that. Even a chimpanzee can't do that. But a human being can do that. Isn't that true? A mechanic can take parts. Uh, spark plugs, oil filters, and use his skill. Maybe the parts are a thousand rand, but he could convert it into an eight or ten thousand rands worth of work and generate income. Why? Because of what's in him, his mind, his brain, and his abilities. An artist can take a 200 rand canvas that you buy at an art shop and then spend an afternoon painting. That painting could be worth a hundred thousand rand. And then the part we don't like, a surgeon can cut you open. Remove a little cyst and then charge you 20,000 rand after he stitched you up. It's the genius, the incredible nature of what we have and who we are, the gifts and abilities. Do you know the guy who holds the world record for the smallest writing, James Sahari? He actually wrote the Declaration of Independence, 7,576 letters on one side of a grain of rice. Talk about incredible. Don't you look at your neighbor and say, You're incredible. You don't know the gifts and abilities that you've got. Think of your human body. Think of the makeup of the human body. Incredible us today. Amazing. I was reading that all the veins, capillaries, and arteries that in our bodies, if we laid them out flat, would stretch a hundred thousand kilometers. One person, that's two and a half times around the world. You lose 200 million skin cells every hour. Some of them will end up on the seats. But um, every second, our body produces 25 million new ones. 25 million. Did you know that the bacteria in your stomach can actually affect your mood? And if you don't eat well, that's why some of you are irritable. <laughs> our heart rate and our breathing can sync up to the music we're listening to. Have you noticed that when you get in the car? Depending on the kind of music, you end up driving. You play classical music, you calm down. And the V8 just idles. 60% of our body is made up of water. 60%. You're 60% fluid. And kilogram for kilogram, our bones are stronger than steel. Do you know that a piece of bone the size of a matchbox can hold 9,000 kilograms without being crushed? You're born with 300 bones in your body as an infant, but later on they fuse together and they become 206. Your feet contain 52 bones, 26 in each. Isn't that amazing? That's a quarter of the bones in your body or in your feet. That's why I wear shoes that are comfortable for three services. No wonder I get tired in my feet. Because a quarter of your bones are there. Isn't it amazing, eh? Your stomach acid can dissolve razor blades and your intestine is four times as long as you are. And the strongest finger in your hand is the pinky. You are Incredible. 
God has made you incredible. He has gifted you and built into you. But you know what? We focus on our faults. We focus on our weaknesses. We focus on our shortcomings. We focus on how difficult our country is, how hard life is, how, how, how much crime there is, how much negativity. And we never realize what we have right within us. God-given gifts and abilities. And you know, I don't know if you realize it, but when you begin to use what God has put in you, you become even more incredible. Today I want to speak to you, and I've entitled the message, God Wants to Use Incredible You. God Wants to Use Incredible You. Do you know that God wanted to use Samson even before he was born? In the womb, he told the parents, this boy's going to be born, this is the gifts he's going to have, and he's going to, you know, he's going to deal with the Philistines, he's going to begin the destruction of the Philistines. God knows your gifts even before you were born. That's why abortion is not something to be taken lightly, because it's the killing of a human being designed by God in the womb with gifts and abilities before that is, is a real person in, born into the world. God saw the gifts and abilities in John the Baptist before he was born also. In the womb was prophesied that this is what he would be. And then God spoke to Jeremiah. You'll remember this in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. He says, before I formed you in the womb. In other words, before you were even beginning to grow, I, I, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. Well, you need to come to the Youth and Young Adult Conference. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. In other words, it's what I've put in you. Recognize my call. Recognize my gifting. Recognize that I want to use you. Stop saying I can't be used by God. Stop looking at your faults and weaknesses. You know, it's, it's possible to be too big for God to use you, but it's, you can never be too small for God to use you. You need to remember that God wants to use incredible you. And the Bible says here, as I build a case, Titus chapter 2, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. God's got some work for you to do in the earth. It might be full-time ministry. It might be volunteering part-time. It might be in the workplace where your good works need to be manifest. You might be a righteous person heading up a company. Do you know how important that gifting is in, on this planet? Because our gifts are not just meant to be used in the room. They're meant to be used to build up not only the body of Christ, but also the world that we live in. And uh, it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, that's our makeup, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, it might be difficult for us to understand that God wants to use us, but when you begin to realize what you have and what you can discover, it's an amazing and, and wonderful thing. Volunteering is extremely important. And can I say this to you at home? without condemnation, it's great that we can have online, but online is an emergency measure. We are meant to be together as the body of Christ, as we heard this morning, participating together 
in the body and in the blood and in the living body of Christ. And so while it's a great emergency measure, this is where we use our gifts, our talents, our finances, and we accomplish something wonderful for God. God wants to use incredible you. Do you believe that today? George Washington Carver, who had many, many gifts, an incredible man, if you've never read his life story, came from slavery and was honored by presidents. He said this, he said, no individual has any right to come into the world and go out of it without leaving behind him distinct and legitimate reasons for having passed through it. You've got a heart, you've got hands, you've got a voice, you've got gifts and abilities, and you need to use them. Mark Mittelberg wrote a book called Contagious Faith, and he said this, he said, God knew what he was doing when he made you. He custom designed you with your unique combination of personality, temperament, talents, and background, and he wants to use you to reach others in a fashion that fits your design. You know, you can think, well, I've, I've got gifts, but man, it's awkward to witness. Now, God will use you where you are, how you are, with who you are, if you're willing to let him use you. Let's look at six things about how God wants to use us today. God wants to use incredible you. Number one, God wants to use ordinary, committed people. Ordinary, but committed. Because when you're committed, he can work with you. But let's focus on the ordinary for a moment. God always elevates ordinary people. He chooses people from, that, from obscurity that are ordinary, and then they show his power. When I came to Santon to take over this church 30 years ago exactly in April, can you believe it? And we'll be celebrating at the end of the year, the 30 years that we've been here together by God's grace. People said to me, why did they send you? In other words, couldn't they find anyone better? In fact, someone said that to me. You mean of all the AOG ministers, you were the best they could send to Santon? Well, clearly it seemed to have worked. Because God uses ordinary, committed people. Are you with me? Helen Keller said this. I love this. She says, there is no king who has not had a slave amongst his ancestors, and no slave has not had a king among his. In your background, there's some ordinary people. You might be great today, but God uses ordinary people, and there are many ordinary people in the world, so he's got a lot of people to work with. Romans chapter 12 reminds us, and I'll read this quickly. He says here, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, we're quite incredibly made up, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So in other words, if you prophesy and it doesn't come true, it's obviously not the, the gift God's given you. It's your desire, but it's not your gift. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a volunteer, give your best. If you're a teacher, teach well. Trust I'm doing that today. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. We have a ministry in the church called Gifted Givers. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. We all have a gift, and our job is not to absorb content, but to serve and participate together 
in building the body of Christ. It's so easy to play, downplay yourself. Well, I don't really, you know, and I'm just, you know, and so-and-so, you know, and, and our church, and small churches do that. Our church is just small, but we're committed. No, if you let God use you, he will, he will build the body of Christ, and the church can grow. I want you to imagine for a moment the carpenter shop in Nazareth, and the master's tools are all lying on the table, and they decide to have a conference. You know, they had conferences then like we're having now, so we come from a long line of conferences. Brother Hammer is presiding, but several suggest he leave the meeting because he's too noisy. Brother Hammer replies, I have to leave the shop, but if I have to, Brother Screw must go also. You have to turn him around again and again to get him to accomplish anything. Brother Screw then speaks up. If you wish, I'll leave, but Brother Plain must leave too. All his work is on the surface. His efforts have no depth. To this, Brother Plain responds, Brother Ruler will have to withdraw also. He's always measuring folks as though he was the only one who was right. Brother Ruler then complains about Brother Sandpaper. He ought to leave too because he's so rough and he's always rubbing people the wrong way. And so goes the discord in the midst of the discussion until in walks the carpenter of Nazareth. He's arrived to start the day's work and putting on his apron, he goes to the bench to make a pulpit from which to proclaim the gospel. He uses Brother Hammer, Brother, brother Screw, Brother Plain, Brother Rule, Brother Sandpaper, and all the other tools. And after the day's work, when the pulpit is finished, Brother Saw arises and remarks, Brothers, I observe that all of us are workers together with the Lord. Real old-fashioned kind of poem, but so true. God wants to use ordinary, committed people who will put themselves in His hands. You think of the people in the Bible, the judges, or they were ordinary people. Isn't that true? And God chose ordinary people. Jeremiah was just a youngster. God chose Amos. And you know what God will do? He'll use you outside of your skill area that you think, because you've got more than one gift. Did you know that? You know, when we were running Redemption Leather, and it's still around the company, if you look it up, it's in Wellington, when we were running Redemption Leather, I thought that I had hit my sweet spot. This is what God had gifted me for. Because we did well, the stuff we designed, everything we made literally sold. Every time I came out with a new style, we just sold hundreds of them. It was just incredible. And I was like, wow, it's amazing to discover your gift in life. How satisfying. And then God said, I want you to leave that all behind. And I want you to go into the ministry. And I was like, I don't want to drink tea with old people. I don't. Please, Lord Jesus, let me stay. I'll give more money to the kingdom. And God called me into the kingdom and I think I've done better in ministry than I've done in business. Because God uses you outside. Now, he did that with Amos. Amos chapter 7, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd. And I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Didn't David also shepherd sheep and ended up becoming a king? Yeah, the Lord said to him in Psalm 78, or Psalm 78, he records, uh, he chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep. He brought him to be shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And then in the scriptures, we read of Jesus choosing the disciples, fishermen, tax collectors, a variety of people, political aspirations. John chapter 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you 
that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. You know, God is very good at using ordinary people. He's always used ordinary people. Even think of this, when Jesus rose from the dead, you know how amazing it was that he got women to go and testify. Women could not even testify in court because they weren't considered credible. By the way, it's Christianity that elevated women, not squashed women. Let me just interject there, and this will take a bit of few, a few moments. Ephesians 5, you know, uh, uh, wives submit to your husbands. That's being used as a hammer. But that's, an that's only one text amongst many in the whole Bible. Jesus elevated women. He had many women serving alongside him. He gave credibility to women, and he chose women to testify about the most incredible event and the most important event the world has ever seen, his own resurrection. God uses ordinary people. Didn't he use the woman at the well? Hmm? The bad Samaritan? You know about the good Samaritan, but this chick was the bad Samaritan. He used her to convert a whole city because God uses ordinary people. He uses their testimonies to transform lives. And you know, sometimes when God wants to use you, you kind of get an inkling of it. I've heard people say to me, I'm going to preach to thousands. Okay, well, come and help us on the ushering team. I love this quote. It's anonymous. It's worth quoting. Don't expect God to use you at a light, as a lighthouse somewhere if you cannot use it as a candle where you are. See, you need to be committed. God uses ordinary committed people. Number two, is this helping you today? God wants us to believe Him, in Him, sorry, and ourselves. God wants us to believe in Him, but also to believe in ourselves. In other words, you've got something. You're not a nobody, especially since you've been born again through Christ. If indeed you're listening to my voice and you are born again today, you have something from God, a deposit. Gifts given to you before you were born and gifts given to you at salvation. William James said this. He said, there's but one cause of human failure, and that is man's lack of faith in his true self. People don't believe in themselves and it's a real challenge. The marketing expert, Kerry Randall, uh, said this, successful people believe in themselves, especially when others do not. So all of us have got something, and we need to believe in ourselves, and we need to try and seek to discover that. Thomas Edison, the great inventor, he said, if we, if we did all the things we are capable of doing, we would literally astonish ourselves. You know what the problem is? We, we, we don't believe it's possible. And it's interesting, one of the uh, translators from Wycliffe, you know, the Wycliffe translators, they go into all the places and translate the Bible. And they say this, they say that amongst the 20 most primitive tribes in the world, you know, the very primitive people hardly have any clothes on. In fact, some in Ethiopia don't wear anything. And he, they say that amongst them, the word believe and do is the same word. It's only when you get to sophisticated cultures that they separate the two words out. We can believe something like we do as Christians and then we don't do it. We believe we should help the poor. We believe we have a gift and we should use it in church. We believe we should be part of the church. There's a lot of beliefs, but then do is separated from it. That's sophistication. But in the Bible, those two are one. If you believe, you should do. And you know, we've been given gifts. Most of us hide them or bury them. Remember Matthew 25 where the Lord gave gifts five to one, uh, two to another, and, and one to another? 
And the man with five got five more. If you use what God's gifted you with, you can get five more. That's why people hate people who are successful, because it's like they have luck. No, they found they had gifts. Now they multiplied them. Now the multiplication brought a multiplication of finance, but now we attack them and call it inequality. But the person that had one didn't use the one. They buried it. And they were called wicked and lazy, not ooh, careful and prudent. Because God doesn't want you to bury what you've got. Are you burying or hiding what you've got? You need to multiply it. You need to use it, but you need to believe in yourself and believe in God. You know, John Maxwell talks about our lives and how meaningless they can be. And he said this. He said, if you're not doing something with your life, it doesn't matter how long it is. You can live till you're 85, 95. What's the point if you don't use your gifts? Or you're in a job where you complain all the time because you've never worked in a place that's using the gifts you were gifted for. You're just doing a job to pay the bills. You know, it's what you change your life into. They say a bar of metal. You can get a bar of metal. Those of you that know metal supplies and work in that industry would understand. You get a bar of metal. It's worth 75 rand. If you turn it into horseshoes, uh, that bar of metal will become worth 180 rand. But if you take that same exact same 75 rand bar of metal and you convert it into needles, it becomes worth 52,500 rand. But wait, if you take the exact same bar of metal and you turn it into the springs inside watches, it can be worth 4.5 million rand. So your life, it's up to you to believe in God and believe in yourself and then convert it into something. Make something of yourself in the business world, in the, in the secular, in the, in the commercial world, and also in God's church where you can play a part. And we need to believe in ourselves and not look at our faults. Number three, God wants to use the unqualified. God will use the unqualified, but if, if you're available, God will use you. Nehemiah wasn't qualified to rebuild a city. He was cupbearer to the king, a businessman. But because he made himself available... God used him. When God called Moses to lead Israel, he was a shepherd. But God said to him, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to, uh, don't say I can't speak, I'll put words in your mouth. I'll use your brother. What is that in your hand? But Lord, it's a piece of wood. I'll throw it down. If you surrender it to me, watch what I'll do. An interesting thing about Moses, do you know Moses' name's, name means drawn out? Moshe means drawn out of the water. He was drawn out so that he might go and draw out Israel out of Egypt. And leaders are ordinary people like us that God has drawn out of the world, out of business, and now he's calling us to draw you out, not necessarily into the ministry, some of you, yes, but to draw you out of your comfort zone, draw you out of a prison of sin and use you for God's glory. God uses people and equips them. He gives them their abilities. Victor and Mildred Guttel wrote a book called Cradles of Eminency, or Eminence, sorry, a, a, and they did a study of 413 uh, famous and exceptionally gifted people. They studied their lives. What is it that makes these people so amazing? What is the one thread that runs through all of them? And they came back and they said this, 392 of 413 had to overcome exceptionally difficult circumstances to be successful. In other words, it didn't come easy. They didn't land with their bottoms in the butter, as we say. Sorry, I hope that doesn't sound crude. But uh, they had to overcome. Clearly, God gave them something 
as they stepped out. They were unqualified, but they became successful. Now, Paul tells us that we are like this in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 26. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were before you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God can use incredible you. Because even if you're unqualified and ordinary, he loves to do that. Hey? And people, people come to church and expect it to be perfect. No, we're not many wise here. They're not many noble. They're going to say stuff and they're going to do stuff. It's gonna, but what is it that we expect? Do we think that when we walk in the door, we become angels? Everybody here, majesty, majesty. No. Trouble starts in that car park. Why are you on my side? Get over. I'm trying to park. Can't you see I'm trying to park my car? Then we come inside. That's the church. God uses the unqualified and the ordinary. Didn't you love that song this morning? Do you know that song is over 20 years old? Written by the band Delirious. And I was listening to it recently and I said, we need to sing that in church because it's one of the most beautiful worship songs, especially at communion because it speaks about the grace of God. Should we sing it again? Next week. Don't you love how we can just call the worship team and the screen opens and they come out? It's like magic, eh? Not now. Okay. So God will use us, and not many of us were born, but he equips us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that uh, all Scripture is inspired by God. Watch this. And is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults. This is the Word of God. And giving instructions for right living. Watch this. So that the person who serves God may be fully qualified and... Equipped. Do you know what qualifies you? God's word. God's word is what you need to serve the world and to serve the church. You don't need qualifications. That's all you need. In the Hebrews, the Bible says that he will equip you everything good for doing his will. So God will equip you and he will qualify you. You've just got to be available to be used. Number four, God wants us to explore, develop, and use our gifts. Have you explored and, uh, and discovered and developed your gifts, we need to do that. And once we explore, we'll begin to see what we have, then we develop, and then we use, and then we grow. Charlie Schultz, the cartoonist, said this, life is a 10-speed bike. Most of us have gears we never use. Isn't that true? You have incredible ability, and I want to say this to you, you have more than one gift. I've already said that. You've got to discover that you've got more than one gift. Oh, well, I can only, no, you can't. It's only that you've only discovered that. You need to explore with God's grace. You need to discover, and then you need to develop. Most people are unsuccessful, not because they used their gifts. It's because they didn't use their gifts, or they didn't use their gifts with integrity. But when you use your gifts, you become a happy person. It's pretty awesome. You enjoy life, and uh, it's absolutely a wonderful thing. Mark Twain once told the story of a man who arrived at the pearly gates, he died and he met St. Peter at the gates. And immediately realizing that St. Peter was wise and incredibly knowledgeable, uh, he said, St. Peter, I've been interested in military history for many years. Tell me, who was the greatest general of all time? St. Peter quickly responded, oh, that's a simple question. It's that man right over there. 
The man responded, you must be mistaken, replied the man, now perplexed. I knew that man on earth, and he was a common laborer. That's right, my friend, said St. Peter. He would have been the greatest general of all time if he had been a general. What have you got that you haven't discovered or developed? There's a lovely book called Finding Your Element. You know, like a fish is in its element when it's in water. And it's written by Sir Ken Robinson, the late Sir Ken Robinson. And he says there are three reasons to find and use your gifts. The first is personal, for your own sake. Second is social, because of the difference you make. And the third is economic. When you do, prosperity comes. And a lot of people don't prosper, not because the government is holding them back or they didn't have a good education. They're not in their sweet spot. They're not in their element. And when you find your gift and you function in it, it becomes incredibly fun. Let me give you five benefits. You quickly just scribble this down if you're making notes. Five benefits when you discover and use your gifts. You'll understand the first one. Time flies. That's why I always have more preaching to give you than the time allows. Because I'm in my sweet spot. When you're not in your sweet spot, you want to preach 10 minutes. Okay, amen, praise God. Let's worship a bit. Glad that's over. What torture that was. No, when you're in your sweet spot, preaching and teaching, that's what you're meant to do. You just want to go on. Time flies. What? Have I only got how many minutes left? What? And you'll go to work and before you know, half past four. No, 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 no. No, I've still got stuff to do because you're in your sweet spot. When you're not in your sweet spot, 10 o'clock in the morning. Lord Jesus, help me. Hmm? You want your life to be good? Find your gifts. Second thing here uh, is, is work is no longer work. Work is no longer work. It's something you enjoy. Third is life satisfaction. You'll never have life satisfaction unless you're using your gifts, both in the church and outside the church. Number four, and this one will help you after COVID, you're happier as a person. You'll be happier as a person. You wake up in the morning, you're happy because it's not a, oh, I, oh, so off to work I go. No, you, you're glad to go even if you do, oh. And then lastly, stress is reduced. When you're doing something you're not meant to do, you will be stressed. I know a lot of people wonder why I can stand on a platform and speak to thousands of people and the building was packed with people. So I don't know how you do this. People come up for dedication and they're like, they can't even stand you. They're like, why, why are you not intimidated? It's because you're cocky and you think a lot of yourself. No, you're in your sweet spot and you're happy and you're able to do it. It brings life satisfaction it's, it's because you're working in your gifting, you're not working outside your gifting. Am I making sense? And that's why you don't have stress when you stand in front of people like most people do. Public speaking causes stress. So we need to discover our gifts, and I say enough about that. Number five, quickly, because the time ticketh exceedingly quicketh, even though I'm in my sweet spot. God always uses the available. Do you know why people aren't used by God? They don't make themselves available. No, I'm not gifted for that. No, I can't do that. Jeremiah said, no, I can't. I'm too young. You make yourself available, you'll be amazed at what God can do. I believe there are many people that have got gifts much greater than Pastor Bill and I, but they've never made themselves available. They've allowed themselves to pursue their own dreams, their own purposes, and their own comfort. And instead, God could not use them. And God uses ordinary people who make themselves available. Let me tell you a quick story. You, you may remember the bombing of Pearl Harbor, a man called Mitsu Fushida. He was the commander of the Japanese planes. It's interesting, 860 of them flew over Pearl Harbor and dropped their bombs on Pearl Harbor on that fateful day. 
in December 1941. And you've all seen the devastation pictures or the movies of that. He led that. And, uh, and as a result of that bombing, the Americans obviously rose up and they wanted to take revenge and they were extremely angry. And an American man called Jacob de Shazer, he decided to take his plane up and fly the, the city of Nagoya and drop his bombs. And his plane was called Bat Out of Hell. <laughs> Trouble cometh. And he flew the plane over, dropped the bombs, bombed the city to pieces. But then he got stuck in fog and he ran out of fuel. He crashed, ended up in a concentration camp where they brutalized him, abused him, and him and his captors, there was enmity, he was filled with hatred and bitterness, and he was there for most of the war until someone, one of the gods, gave him a Bible. You can have this for three weeks. He read it, he came to Romans 10, he made Jesus Christ his Lord and Savior, and his life transformed in that prison. He started treating the gods with love and care and respect, greeting them every morning. They started giving him gifts and giving him food, giving him privileges, and the whole thing turned around. And then the war ended, and he was released, and he was sent home. Guess what he did? He returned to Japan, unqualified, not trained in a Bible college, as a missionary, and planted a church in the city of Nagoya that he had bombed. Amazing thing. Available. Not gifted. It wasn't like I had this call and I've been to college and I've got two degrees. I'm theologically astute. He had a heart and he said, oh God, I'm available. Take me, use me. And God used him. And thousands and thousands of people wanted to see this man who had been mistreated, who originally hated the Japanese, now loved the Japanese. They poured in to see this man and to see his forgiveness and his grace. And the church just grew. Among the people that came to the church who became a great friend of his was Mitsu Fushida the man who had led the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And they became Christians, and they began to serve God together, and they became friends and brothers. And later, as a result of the, the American Jacob, this man was released into ministry and became an incredible evangelist all over Japan. These are the stories of the war that we don't read. What's the key? The key was availability. Are you available today? Because number six, and I need to come to a close, God wants us to touch one life at a time. You see, sometimes we see crowds. We see Rivers Church. They want me to volunteer. <gasps> there's so many people. I don't think I could do it. And we see things big. We see business. Oh, there's this whole company. How will I ever just touch the closest person to you in need? And God will begin to use you. Witness to one person who's open. You don't have to witness on the platform. You don't even have to witness in the car park. You don't have to witness to the whole group at a party. Just find one person who seems to be needy. Do you know that the Bible, we don't have time to read it, you'll see, especially in Luke 8, Jesus is traveling through a city and there's crowds and crowds around him. And then it says, and one man, Jairus, came up to him. And he said, I'll go with you. And then on the way, a woman who had an issue of blood. They're crowds, but there's Jairus. And he gets Jesus' attention. And then there's a woman. She gets Jesus' attention. And then he goes, and guess what happens? When he gets to the house, he puts the crowds out. And he deals with the one. And I want to tell you, God wants to use you one-on-one, -on -one, maybe with your family, maybe at work, even in church, to do something to serve somebody, to discover your gifts, to witness, and to be used by him even in the workplace. What have you got that you're hiding? What have you got that you don't even know you've got? You are incredible. Let him use you. Because if you do, lives can change.
We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.